0: that basketball scene was a great day we were out it was hot it was hot they wasn't lying but everybody came out of course it was the regular extras and then it was people from the neighborhood literally just came out because they were be like come on come on come on and it's just it was just so much love in in, in my city the city that i'm a part of i gotta take the good with the bad baby that day was great that episode was great i love the dip off that avon gave him they was like we got him no you don't y'all ain't ready yet no not yet not yet you ain't good enough yet work a little hard
1: hi everybody i'm dave and this is kobe and you're listening to the wire stripped it's the show where we watch every episode
2: of the wire And you won't just be hearing from us, you'll be hearing from cast, crew, celebrities, superfans, and some of you guys too.
1: This episode is all about Season 1, Episode 9, Game Day.
2: This is East meets West, isn't it? Baltimore, the game. This is a great episode. Yeah, absolutely. And here's our chat, which we recorded on the streets of London Town.
1: When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back.
3: Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save
1: your soul. Just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He got the fire and the fury. Kobe, how are you? I'm good, how you doing? I'm good Uh, So we have watched The Wire Season 1, Episode 9 We have indeed Game Day Game Day And to celebrate the fact that this episode is all about a basketball game We decided to come to an empty basketball court Yep And perch ourselves right in the middle To picture the scene we are sitting on two stools <laughs> in the middle of an empty basketball
2: court. In the center circle. Yes. Uh, so we don't it looks we are, very strange. We don't even have a basketball team and try and slam dunk it. No.
1: I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you'd own me as well. Like, um, too small. I, I am a pathetic yeah. basketball Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay, absolutely. maybe we're as bad as each
2: other. Possibly. All right. Um, so this episode, what do you think? I thought it was a good episode. I, I really enjoyed this episode. And a lot of things happen. Uh, and a lot of things set up. And a lot of things... Come to a little fruition, so I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, the so it's sort
1: of as mentioned, it revolves largely around this basketball game, uh, which is East versus West. So there's a great moment when. Perk and Carver on the rooftop. They're looking down like, "Where is everybody?" Yeah. They start driving around like, "What's happening?" Uh, and then they get to th- this basketball court. And yeah. It's this hive of activity, Absolutely. to say the least. Um, and we've sort of missed a we've missed a moment. Sorry, the the, the episode starts with we, which seems that we I didn't understand uh, even the second time. Oh really? Uh, well, I didn't understand it until I saw the basketball game. I'm like, "Why are uh, String and Barksdale trying to?" By a college basketball player, yeah, ten thousand dollars. But it, it's sort of the punchline is revealed, he's on their side, so they've sort of rigged, they've, they've rigged
2: bought a ringer the for, for the game, <laughs> a ringer, exactly.
0: Where are you going? I don't know, uh, Turps, Hoyas, Missouri, Kansas, they all want this cap, okay? So we're in the mix, too. Now, you can to come out. Low proposition Joe's mind He ain't got nobody born like this He better not have One motherfucker born like this I'm sick and tired Of losing these Eastside bitches every year Been three years Running now man Just Fucking with my morale For real
1: um, And there's a great Little moment Where we First of all We meet A very important character Who's the sort of rural, uh The ruler of the east
2: Proposition is, uh, Joe Proposition Joe Prop Joe Yeah what a dude So this is the first Appearance of Prop Joe Who uh, is, is another favourite character of mine going throughout the series but this is the first time we see him he's got a great voice amazing voice yeah I think his name's I think his name's like Robert Chu uh, which is a great name as well (laughs) Robert Chu Robert Chu (laughs) I need to check that but I think it's something that I think it's something like that so Um, we meet
1: him he's got uh Dreadlocks. He's got a sort of a suit. He's got, got, on. A, He's got on. a very official suit, which yeah. Barksdale takes the piss out of him Absolutely. for. It's Eighty-five degrees. So we should
2: say this is so. Avon and Stringer Bell they represent the West Side of Baltimore, the projects, and Professor and Joe represents the East Side. And every year they have this annual basketball game, uh, and the loser has to hold a party. And that's and that's it. But of course, there's more to it than that. There's there's pride at stake. There's all these things at stake, and the six, six figures. The six figures. It's the
1: six figures. Yeah, that's what that's what Prop Joe said to him. Oh, really? So Prop Joe totally plays Barksdale. Absolutely, it? yeah. Yeah. So he sees that he's got a ringer, and he says, "Let's make this a bit interesting. Let's get it up to six figures."
0: Half time. Got yourself a fine ringer. Well, yeah, baby, it's not like too year. You know what I'm talking about? It look that way, but you never know oh i know man we have 12. yeah you is but hey i got proposition for you okay double down let's get this wager clean, six figures Sure, i don't give a fuck baby it's your money you can waste it if you want you know what i'm out
1: barksdale takes the bait and yep. then he pulls some some
2: little guy off the bench what a, what a loser is yeah. barksdale has, has he not seen any Color of Money or, or, <laughs> yeah. or the Hustler. Has you not seen that kind of shit? I know it's pool, but you can still apply it to this kind of game. It's Sharking 101. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Bartel takes the bait. And yeah, so then up until this point, they are winning. Bartstell's crew's winning, Stringer Bell's crew's winning at half time. And of course, Bartel just kind of goes, Yeah, we're, we're winning, mate. Our ringer is running rings around you. Hey, ringer. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? <laughs> and uh, But then Proptero yeah. brings on this little kid who I don't know much about basketball but he's not a tall guy but he absolutely rips into the Barksdale Cruz team he runs rings maybe there around. is hope for me then absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely you don't need height <laughs> <laughs> you need skill you don't need
1: height though and there is a there's another lovely moment in this uh in this storyline with Herc and Carve when they get to the basketball game and they're sort of hanging out uh, with with Bodhi and, um, and Poot and Poot. Yeah. Uh, and they're just kinda they're just kind of talking. They, I like I love that Bo, Bodie and Poot sort of just explain the whole thing to them and yeah. they're like, you know, what are you doing? are you supposed to be working? It's all it's just banter. It's just like I love this, it's like workplace banter. It is. Because in a way, they are, you know, this is all of their workplaces. They yeah. kind
2: of are co-workers. <laughs> yeah, but they're just yeah. two sides yeah, they're just two sides of the same coin and this comes back again and again two sides of the game and it just happens to be one side is selling drugs one side doesn't want you to sell drugs <laughs> yeah but they kind of get on with each other in a way out, you know out in a construct that's outside of the of the regular game uh watching a basketball game how bizarre
0: man wonderful wonderful bit the city came out
1: this is micaiah jones he played little man in the wire
0: the city came out that right there that basketball games, it shows that regardless of what is portrayed in the media, regardless what is portrayed by different groups in reference to their stereotypes and their feelings. You know, if we can put our differences aside to come play basketball and have a, outturn, a turnout like that where the whole city comes versus, you know, East and West, my crew versus your crew, everybody know what y'all do you know, you either a customer or you mind your business. However, when these two sides that are normally against each other come together, look what they made happen. And, you know, it's still all the underlining tones of and things like that. But, you know, if, if they really came together, they would be unstoppable, even though they, you know, it's just the fact of that day of peace, that day of you know, to have all of those gentlemen sitting out there in the open, even even a storyline talking about Woodhurst as far as Avon's character. Nobody knows what he looked like. You know, they got that one boxing picture. So then when, when he bobs in, man, that that just his walk into it just kill that whole scene, brother. I was standing behind him and stringing for that entire that entire scene. And it was just wonderful. The um, it's a gentleman on the bench. And let me I got to plug this. I'm sorry. It's a gentleman sitting. It's Avon, a gentleman with flocks and then a gentleman with a ball head right next to him. He's one of the basketball players. He was my mentor. He used to work for the Afro-American newspaper here in Baltimore. His name is Raphael Williams. He was my mentor. Um, I came out of school a little early, but I still had to do my credits. I went there to do my credits. And um, to this day, me and that man speak. When I say he's a caper, they went to Morgan State and he changed. He helped. He's one of the most influential, one of the strongest male figures other than my father that helped change my life. He see me as little man on the HBO show and we used to deliver papers together and he's playing basketball in that scene. That was one of the greatest feelings ever. Ain't y'all on the clock? (laughs) you. We on a break. And we on a break too. What's up with this game? Nah, just something we do every year, you know. Eastside versus Westside, niggas. Loser got to throw a big ass parking thing up at Drew Hill next week. Well, who's favourite? Eastside won the last two years. My boys. Uh,
4: another s- a scene I loved was the ghetto bars- or the the project's a basketball game. This is Scroobius Pip. He's from the Distraction Pieces podcast. I loved how it had the feel of of the Christmas truce, where they all put down their weapons to play f- football. But this had more layers because it's too rival, it's it's east and west but also the police are there and and Bodhi is talking to Herc and Carver and all this and it's the first time we meet a prop Joe. And yeah, I love the kind of uh, the thing that got me into hip-hop originally was the fact that hip-hop was invented as an alternative to gang violence. So in- instead of shooting each other or fighting, you'd get on the mic and battle or scratch and, and go against each other. And I loved how the basketball game was that, that these are people who might be sh- sh- shooting each other next week, but right now they're intensely angry at each other, but they're not doing anything a- a violent because there's the code of, of the project's basketball game.
5: So if I had to pick uh, one overarching team of uh, season one, I think it would be the game. With a capital G.
1: This is Joe Kiley. He's my co-host on the podcast Scheitgeist.
5: But what struck me watching it this time is how often they, they use game metaphors uh, in order to kind of shine a light on what's going on in the system. Um, for instance, the, the, the prologue, the opening of the whole series, is uh, when McNulty is talking to a, a corner boy about Snot Boogie who was killed over a craps game. And um, McNulty asks him, like, if, they always, if he always steals the money, why do you let him play? And the response is, it's America. you got to let him play. So, like, a small, tiny moment like that keeps echoing through the series um, that really everybody knows the game and everybody knows the rules. But it's the extent to which people push them That defines who they are so you can play a particular role but if you try and shift into a different role that could mean trouble for you or if you you press your luck too much one way or the other well you can do that and you'll be allowed to do that but you may pay the price for that Um, and it keeps coming back again and again you have the the basketball game between east side and west side that's another game, and it, it reminded me of the the truce in the trenches in World War One, where they yeah, everybody stopped fighting and they had a game of soccer for, um, well, for, for for Christmas. Um, and it's it's like that. Uh, they can put aside their hostility for the sake of a game, but even within that game, Prop Joe cheats. He has a he has a ringer that he's brought in, and he you know he steals the game effectively, but. It's all in the game, so it's all fair. But this is the first time we...
2: Because up until this point, the police still don't know who, who Avon Barksdale is. Yes. And they, can't, they just hear Perkin Cobb kind of twig that Barksdale's there, but they, don't, they still don't know who he is. Even though there's a guy in a bright red, massive T-shirt <laughs> yeah. with a white visor sat next to Stringer Bell. Yelling at everybody. Yeah, like, at Who everyone. do you think it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I was there, I'd be like, well, let's find out who this guy is first, because he seems to know what's going on. Is yeah. that is that... Could he be Avon? <laughs> Sat next to the guy who you do know, yeah, exactly. who's very important.
1: But this is a breakthrough for Herc and Carve. Absolutely. I mean, they sort of stumbled onto it, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> you know, they set this thing in motion. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this word gets back. I loved, I loved seeing all this sort of happen consecutively. Daniels mobilizes, gets the team down there. McNulty, interestingly, is like not bothered
2: it's not it doesn't care doesn't care don't care what he looks like he knows what his voice yeah. sounds like and that's how they're going to catch him
1: but I think it was wrong in this instance uh, because Daniel sort of makes the point you know well in Vice you know we follow people yeah <laughs> and, true you know you don't know where it's going to lead but turns out where it's going to lead is
2: nowhere because Barksdale is very good at avoiding tales absolutely so there's three cars after the game which they lose Barksdale gets into his car and there's three different police cars with five cops spread across the three police cars trying to trying to follow him Twelve ten. you keep the eyeball 1171 take up a position on federal west of mountford i'm coming up from the south 1171 i copy
1: that
3: he's just sitting there
2: did you think that was really seemed like such a difficult job i have no idea what what you're supposed to do to follow someone to make it look like you're not following them but well, we talked about front and follow. Yep. on the last I, episode. I was going to say we need we need McNulty's kids. <laughs>
1: yeah, they would know. <laughs> they know how, <laughs> yeah, they know how to do it. They did it with stringer bell. They could do it with Barstow. It seemed particularly complex. Yeah, uh, like I'm not surprised that he was able to avoid them because, I guess it's like in in US cities the streets are all crisscrossed yeah. as well. So it's all corners. So it's very easy to just turn. Um, but I was I was impressed by the knowledge the inherent knowledge that they all had all the police they were like taxi drivers yeah. Like he's like he's moving on to Mulholland he's moving on to he's moving south on the, yeah.
2: and they were just there but yeah. they just weren't good enough ultimately because yeah.
1: Barksdale is just damn good at this shit
2: and my, one of my favourite scenes that still st- stands out to me is when Barksdale goes past Daniels yeah. and is waving the finger so ah, good ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so so good be advised that
0: he didn't make it to chase 1171, what's your status?
1: You couldn't have gone past us. 1171, nothing on this side.
2: Must have went to
6: ground. After years of getting ripped off by big
1: wireless providers, there's finally a better option. Mint Mobile is the affordable premium wireless service that you buy online starting at just 15 bucks a month by cutting out retail stores Mint Mobile got rid of the crazy overhead costs so that you could score
3: some sweet savings every month to get your new wireless phone plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com/save that's mintmobile.com/save
7: Yo, soldiers, this is Maria from Naples. I'm a huge fan of The Wire, which I think is the best. TV series ever, uh, Gomorrah only coming a distant second. I wanted to leave a message about prayers because I think you bashed him too much and not only because he was great in cracking the code but because he is one of the very few people who learns something out of the wire. He's learned something and what he's gained from the game is... Something he will always have with him and nobody can take it away. So
2: that was a voice message that was left on our burner phone.
1: Yes, we have an untraceable burner phone. If you haven't messaged us, please do just uh, head to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, and the number's there. And you can WhatsApp us or phone us and leave a, an old school voicemail. Yeah,
2: when you do call us, leave us your name, location, your Twitter account, and a short and sweet message. And we want to know. Yeah, we want to know what your favourite quote was or has been in the Wire uh, season one, and let us know who said it as well. That boy no luck.
1: Okay, so there's uh, there's sort of two there's two storylines this this week with the cops. You know, we have uh, the smart cops and yep. we've got the dumb cops. Uh, <laughs> so back back with the smart cops, uh, it's Freeman, Sidner, and Prez. And Freeman is putting these guys to work yeah, on the paper trail. Absolutely, yeah. He's following the money. Uh, so he basically gives them a set
2: of extremely elaborate instructions. about it's crazy. Did you understand any of this? I just know that I have once gone to a library and pulled up the microfiche thing and thought why am I doing this this, this sounds like the worst this is the Just worst thing ever google it yeah absolutely <laughs> this
1: feels like this microfilm thing would not be a thing anymore no. or maybe it's a thing for well, like I
2: guess if you're trying to find a paper trail if you're trying to find delve into a case that happened 20 years ago pre-google then definitely I guess you have to but can't you just scan that stuff well hope Google hope Larry Page and Sergey Brin are just scanning everything into Google <laughs> and become Google Crime just Labs to make it like easier yeah, for exactly. us yeah. but I felt I
1: felt for these guys A like do you know what the scene felt like? Because um, the way they, they cut it was it's Freeman giving the detailed explanation of everything they need to do, and then we sort of see it happening. It's, yeah. it's very similar to the sort of Ocean's Eleven heist movie. True, yeah, Brad, yeah. Where you, you, you hear somebody, you hear Brad Pitt explaining the plan, and yeah. then you see the plan coming into action. Except an extremely boring version <laughs> of that <laughs> with
2: paper. With paper and, and microfilm. <laughs> and Sidney, Sidney didn't get it, actually. He, he, he was, I guess he was least up on the kind of what's going on. Cinder's actually one is kind of a strange cop, isn't he? Because he's very good at being undercover. Being undercover, but he's also yeah. a smart guy as well. So he kind of straddles both sides of things. And Cinder doesn't really have a, a clear defined role in this series, I don't think.
1: Yeah, we don't get a whole lot of him. He feels a little background, yeah. doesn't he?
2: He does. Yeah. Uh, but he's in this episode. But he is one of the smarter cops, and he's he's involved in Freeman's plan here. Prez Prez loves doing the paper trail. <laughs> Freeman loves doing the paper trail. And it, Freeman's excited when he gets offered you know, to print out 200 pages of, <laughs> of paper. And he's like, yeah, I'll have that. That's, that's such his bag. <laughs> <It
1: is. laughs> but, like, it's so weird. Like, two episodes ago, he's bottling a guy. Absolutely. <laughs> now he's like, give me that paper. And he's equally as happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, tell me about the dumb cops.
1: Right, so the dumb cops are, unsurprisingly, Herc and <laughs> Uh So they... <laughs> they catch they catch WeeBay uh, with a lot of money. Yeah. They confiscate the money, essentially. You know, they have a, they have a little bit of a, a tussle with him. He tells them, that ain't my money. Yeah. I don't know, you may as well take it. Um, they take the money back. And then they, they, they have an interesting... Dilemma, yeah. yeah. A conversation where they're like you can kind of tell Herc wants to keep the money and Carve, who is the smarter of the dumb cops, (laughs) is like, yeah, but don't you think if they mention it on the wire uh, how much the amount was, then it's going to conflict with the amount that we register. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so we don't see what happens. I thought thought this whole plot was very interestingly played out. We don't see what happens, but we find out that Daniels uh, has found a discrepancy.
2: No, so what happens is... um there's a there's an there's a small scene later on where McNulty says, they said they they've lost twenty two thousand. It's the scene where they're saying they lost twenty two thousand, and they they work out that they're making like sixty thousand pounds a day, which translates into twenty million a year, and after taxes and after deductions. Freeman that they, did that, Matt. Yeah, you know yeah. that they're they're making a lot of money, and it's in that's there's just a small line in that scene where Daniels kind of goes, hold on, you said they. They lost twenty-two thousand, but we got—we only got seventeen thousand. So that's when, that's when Daniels kind of pulls those guys in and says, "Hold on, you've only turned in seventeen thousand. Where's the rest of it?"
1: Yeah, and um, it turns out, you know, they—they they go looking for it. Well, first of all, Carb sort of implies that Herc did it. Yeah, which was interesting. But they find it. They do eventually find it down the the back of the car, <laughs> which is the... such such a dumb thing, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? But they set it up well. Do you see the bag breaking? Um, and I thought this was sort of a nice, touching little moment mm. um, where Carve says, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and and, and Herc says, do you think they'll believe us? And he said, would you? No, this, this is it. And it's a, it's, a, it's a shit situation for them.
6: They're both such knuckleheads.
1: It's the voice of Andrew Johnston. He's an academic and podcaster from Maryland. They're just
6: such knuckleheads. And they are the real... These, I, I no longer live in the united states so i feel kind of safe saying this they're the realest cops as someone who's i've known a number of cops in my life yeah these these guys yeah this is what police officers in the city of baltimore are like they're very they can't see the forest for the trees they're kind of good old boys you just want to you know have a few drinks and I guarantee Herc was a bully in high school. He had to have been. I don't think Carver was, but that might be because later on he sort of becomes a responsible human being as opposed to Herc who never seems to learn or grow from anything. But, uh, yeah, no, these, this is – these guys, if you met some police officers, these are the guys you would see. They're just – they're – drunk with power sometimes and they're drunk with drink sometimes and they just want to bust heads and take names and like high five at the end
1: then the last plot line is um it's bubs and it's uh we're starting to follow on from having seen bubs in na yeah not, not uh, anonymous yeah and and there's an indication that he wants to change his way so we sort of see him doing one of his most elaborate heists yet. <laughs> he's almost like a ro- like a Looney Tunes character yeah. in this scene, wasn't he? It's, like, it's kind of insane. Um, yeah, so tell us what happens. So he's up on a roof uh, and he's got a bit of fishing wire and he's basically found where they're keeping the, the stash Yeah. Uh, and he just decides to fish it out. There's a bit of fishing <laughs> wire. It, it's, kind of, it's so beautiful in its simplicity uh, but it's a kind of absurd to watch.
2: It's very improbable, isn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> extremely. It's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, but how accurate? Like he got it first go. He did do. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't any playing around. He's done this before, and the guy who's manning the re-up, the guy who's manning the stash, sees sees someone reeling this reeling the bag of dope up, up the up the side of the building, and um, bubbles manages to escape, but he sees these two guys getting beat down upon hard. Yeah, and Bubbles just kind of goes, oh, "Shit, that was so." so nearly me It's a lucky escape yeah i don't need that he's, he's seen johnny weeks go through that kind of beat he doesn't want that to happen to himself and there's a scene prior to that which you've which we skipped over which kind of talks about bubs turning in the scene as well is when they're giving out the testers they're throwing the testers in the low rise and everyone scrambles it's to get. it's a horrible them. scene that's very just, nasty they're yeah. throwing these little vials around the free of free drugs basically so they can test it it's like a yeah it's, little, it's like an Avon lady sampler isn't it <laughs> it's like when you go to John Lewis and they spray some aftershave on you and you're like, yes I do like that that's exactly what it looks like isn't it yeah I got five little vials of after. and everyone stampedes the Avon lady yeah exactly uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but then he speaks to Waylon and Waylon, Waylon's like yeah I'm, I, I'm so out of this game I'm only here to make sure my this kid I know is trying to
1: it was his nephew? Wasn't yes, it? his nephew yeah, yeah, is like yeah.
2: on the on the straight and narrow as much as possible. And this is such a hard scene as well because Whalen is saying that this kid's too young. He's as much as I'm looking over after him on behalf of my sister. People don't start to see the bottom. People don't start to turn until they reach thirty-five, forty. Um, it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the this is another kind of heartstring pulling at Bub's kind of thinking. This is yeah, I don't want to be here.
1: But sort of and gives him a lifeline as well. He asks, you know, how old are you? Which yeah. Essentially, it's, a, it's him reaching his hand out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So
7: my mum's an addict, so I grew up with an addict.
1: This is Gabriella Jones, podcast producer at The Guardian.
7: When, when I see Bubbles, like for me, personally, I found it to be like this super realistic experience. Like I, I thought he was really well written, like even... Just the fact that he has control and yet has no control over his addiction at the same time. Like, and I find that's something really hard for people to wrap their heads around. Because like on one side, if you're an addict, you're the only one who can choose to get better. And, and you can do that by a, a number of steps, you know, going to 12-step meetings, which Bubbles does. Like you see him kind of wrestling with that. And when he meets Waylon and, and, and you know, then Waylon comes to the pit and is talking to to Bubbles. And he's like, oh, well, my nephew like he just hasn't reached his rock bottom yet and and you get the sense that Bubbles hasn't either but he's kind of almost there and and that's a really I feel realistic thing of like you have to really hit a low before you'll consider getting clean
2: and then the last scene bef- that kind of helps to that kind of directs Bubs into turning is the dope that he does steal is, is really weak it's just it's just baking soda yeah um, so after going through all that effort, nearly getting beaten up, it's still, it's still, it's just nothing. It wasn't worth anything. It's sad. It's a, uh,
1: but it's, you know, it's good for him. I think he's found the bottom. Yeah. Almost. This feels like his bottom. And so it's he goes vis- to visit
2: his, his sister. Yeah, he goes to visit yeah. his sister, and his sister kind of <sighs> wants to kick him out straight away, but then says, you. If you're going to stay, you're going to stay in the basement if you want to clean yourself up. But do not come up. I mean, yeah.
1: this. I thought uh, whoever that actress was really, really sold the tragedy and the history between these two characters, yeah. right? Uh, no, nothing had to be explained. It was all in the looks and the way that they acted towards each Absolutely. other. And that you get a whole, you know, you get decades of history yeah. between those two. I thought it was an excellent scene.
7: Even the fact that his sister is like that to him, she may seem cruel... on the outside but at the same time like if you are the family of an addict you will know that often you anything that you will do um kind of it's like you don't want to be an enabler like almost any help that you offer because like when somebody is like actively like indulging in their addiction like that is like a force on its own and everything is kind of controlled by it and it's incredibly hard to get away with it away from it rather and it's it's really sad because obviously Bubbles is really earnest but at the same time like you can imagine the amount of times that he must have turned up there or he must have taken stuff from his sister you know the reason she doesn't want him in the main house or won't let leave him there on his own you know you get this idea as to what Bubbles history is like and that this isn't the first time but you really want to you really want him to actually get clean this time
1: you know speaking you know we see we see bubs sort of trying trying to get out of the scene and uh, trying to change but sadly at the, on, in the reverse we're seeing wallace sort of get involved in drugs yeah um, which is quite disappointing and sad i think wallace's arc is it's a downward spiral
2: isn't it it's very sad so wallace is still reeling from seeing brandon um, splayed out on the front of a on the front of a car, and he still can't get over it. Especially because he was involved in that in that scenario. This is Omar's Omar's boyfriend being killed and tortured in in horrible ways. Um, and he hasn't been, he hasn't been turned up for work, and he's nope. just going in. He's going from worse to worse. And we see we see him buying drugs, and sees him buying drugs, and we just know there's only one real way it's going to go. It's you know it's becoming an addict, and it's heartbreaking. There's a nice little scene I liked with him and D'Angelo. Yeah, yeah.
1: D'Angelo gives him a little bit of money yeah. and he says, you know, go back to school. And, enjoy. and All I want is for him to go back to school absolutely. and have a successful life yeah. and become
2: Apollo Creed's son. <laughs> <laughs> and Wallace is so smart. He's a smart kid. And he looks after all these kids as well, which is why it's so important. Because he's looking after all these little rapscallions. There are dozens of them. Yeah, absolutely. He's running a little orphanage absolutely, in Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And... Poot doesn't care about those kids, but Wallace is their surrogate dad. At 16 years old, he's their surrogate dad, Mm -hmm. and he's spiraling downwards into this horrible kind of state of being. Uh, Yes, horrible this, horrible kind of scene.
6: You think he's a victim of drug dealing, and in fact drugs. He starts getting pretty high there. He's a victim of institutionalization. That's what's most interesting about Wallace, when faced with a reality just like d he can't handle it but again doesn't have any protection so he can't run back to uncle avon he has nowhere to go there's no way that he can think of breaking the institution and part of that is because he has a bunch of responsibility thrust on him at a very young age i mean he's handing out juice boxes and bags of utz potato chips very crucially utz potato chips crab chips um to the children but he can He's been left behind by so many institutions by that point that the only institution that accepted him was the game.
3: I mean, the why is interesting in the sense that it shows there are there are them, there are those people for whom heroin is just a commodity. Mm. We buy it, we sell it, and we make money from it, and we don't use it. And there are those who are part of the process, but. They do use it.
1: This is David Nutt. He's a psychiatrist, and neuropsychopharmacologist. Just got that one out. Um, and he specializes in drugs and how they affect the body.
3: What we have seen in, in the UK is that there's a, a lot of the market in, in Britain is driven by people who are addicted. And they then, in order to fuel their own habits, they have to get other people addicted. Because if you want to get enough money to serve your own heroin addiction it's been estimated you've got to get between 15 and 25 other people addicted buying from you so that you get enough spare cash or enough spare heroin to keep using heroin is a pyramid scheme and i want to just tell you something that a lot of people don't know in this about this country in 1971 when we brought in the misuse of drugs act there were one thousand heroin addicts in britain Mm. And they were almost all on prescribed heroin. But then when we brought in the misuse of drugs, that the government said, you are no longer allowed to prescribe heroin to heroin users because you're feeding their habit. You're giving them the pleasure that they want. And this uh, governments hate the idea that you're actually helping people avoid um, using drugs by giving them drugs. So they said, you can no longer prescribe heroin. Mm. Now... That was just that, was, and that was exactly what the Americans had done in 1946. So, we just made the mistake that the Americans had, had done. Uh, banning prescription of heroin in America didn't stop heroin use. We see the wire. Mm. Banning heroin prescription in Britain didn't stop heroin use. In fact, it made it infinitely worse. So, we went from a thousand heroin addicts in 1971 to twenty years later, we went to two hundred thousand because we we did not pursue a harm reduction approach. We pursued a punitive approach we, tr- we stopped doing the right thing and we created this enormous black market
2: well just a quick a quick note in the basketball game is we see we see Bartsdale shouting and screaming out oh at the ref well just everyone yeah and then at the end of the game I don't understand basketball. I don't really understand what happened there but then Bartsdale has a massive go at the referee something
1: to do with a foul I don't know Yeah. yeah
2: and I just kind of thought what kind of maniac is going to referee this game? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> people are dying. <laughs> people are dying. Worst job ever. Yeah, he knows what this <laughs> referee knows what's going on. Uh, yeah, why would he volunteer for that? Well, I hope he's getting
1: it's paid like, handsomely. But well, you would hope so. Yeah, but he basically gets shouted at the court <laughs> as well. It's like, oh, hey, do you want to referee this game between uh, two
2: rival drug gangs? Yeah, uh, who, who are responsible for a lot of deaths? No thanks. That would be my response What could possibly go wrong That would be my <laughs> yeah. response Apart from not knowing The rules of basketball That would be my, my response <laughs> Well that's a good start Thank you for the offer I don't know the rules of basketball <laughs> Yeah how much yeah. is it No that's not enough Because I I don't want to die
0: go, <laughs> ref. ref What the fuck The boy was foul Clear Straight up How you gonna not call that Look, if you want, I can put time back on the clock and replay it. You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a fucking do-over? That's not how the game is played! You can't do that! Fuck, believe this shit! Nigga, talking about doing it again! Look, I don't want any trouble, okay? Just...
3: ain't gonna be no trouble over no ball.
0: Man, you supposed to be the ref, right? Why don't you stand up for your fucking self, you pussy? You can't just let any old motherfucking nigga get in your face. You understand? And Walk away! Walk away! Turn around and walk the fuck away, you motherfucker. We cool? Yeah, we cool, baby. You tell your people to come on up here to the park Saturday at noon. Of course, you
2: come on the west side again, baby. Without a ball, I'ma light your ass up. We see in this episode we see Kima and Freeman trying to they're chasing down, they're chasing down Chardine. So this is the aftermath of of the. The horrible party where one of Chardine's colleagues dies mm. uh, after having had sex with—I'm sure—unwillingly having had sex with three, three different guys—and Kieran Freeman used that information to turn Shardin. So Shardin at the moment, is is DeAngelo's girlfriend.
1: Yeah, essentially. Yeah.
2: We don't see much of his wife and child. Anymore. No, or,
1: no, no, no. Whatever she was, they're kind of yeah, yeah. baby mama. They're yeah.
2: they're kind of in the in the sidelines. Yeah, well, they, I, yeah, I thought they,
1: this was a really tragic. Uh, well, it was sort of a. It was a sad. It was sad to see, Shardine be confronted with the reality of the people she's working with. Yeah, I thought. I mean, Freeman describes her as what as a.
2: A civilian. Well, Sh- he had a word
1: for her, like a sweetheart. He said she'll fall at the slightest push. Yeah, yeah. So they they bring her to show. Uh, to see her, her the corpse her friend the corpse and it, it's just like she cracks very very easily
2: it's yeah it's a horrible scene and then um, they refer to her as a civilian and her, her eyes kind of open they're just wide open after that point she says that she needs to quit this job Freeman says, "Yeah, I think you, I think you do. Yeah, I think that's wise. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, an op- there's an opening for a new referee at the basketball.
1: Yeah, game, <laughs> <If> you do <laughs> if you know how to play basketball? Because <laughs> I think you'll get paid
2: quite handsomely, <laughs> and also maybe die if you referee this that's game. That's just a risk of the job.
1: Uh, one thing I noticed, Kobe. I don't know. Did, did you spot this? But I, I have a, uh, I've quite the eye for product placement." Because uh, I work in uh, social media marketing, <laughs> you work for a
2: commercial uh, TV station. I do. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I'm always looking out for uh, sponsored uh, sponsored content, <laughs> uh, and I noticed that
2: KFC featured twice in this episode. Oh, really? And Dunkin' Donuts. Well, Dunkin' Don't. Well, yeah, You know, is this the first time Donuts have been Dunkin' Donuts have been appeared <laughs> With the cops. in a cop show? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> uh, it does seem like a natural fit.
1: It does. Uh, do. Yeah. Poor Prez's KFC got knocked over when Herc and Carve threw their giant bag of cash and on the, top of it. You know, if I was yeah. Prez, I'd be pissed off that <laughs> my bucket. Oh, oh, oh yeah.
2: <laughs> my bucket's <has> been <laughs> thrown on the floor. <laughs> oh, dude. But hey, it was replaced by twenty grand in cash. So it was. You know, it was. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't Prez's twenty grand in cash. It's
1: so nice. You know, it is nice to feel so, so good, about good about a meal. So good about
5: Kentucky Fries!
2: This final scene is something we need to talk about because this, the layup, for this the setup for the scene came in the episode before, when Omar was in the it, back in the detail and he's kind of, he's kind of scoping around, he's giving the police information, but unwitting to the police, they're giving him information and he looks around and sees, he saw the picture for Orlando's, on the board, and he goes, okay, I know Orlando's. I'm going to check that place out. He's so smart. Yeah. Super, he's like sly like a fox and he sees Orlando's and he goes to Orlando's and he rings he rings little uh, he rings uh, a pager and and the pager turns out to be Avon Barksdale uh, he really just got handed to him on a plate didn't it did it? do yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, and Barksdale comes out looking to you know going to a payphone, yeah and Omar's just got this perfect opportunity
2: yeah, I was disappointed with Omar in this scene me too um, how did he miss that shot absolutely
0: Hey. They had cheese fries, baby. I got you some. (laughs) (laughs) Avon, stay down, man. I got you covered.
2: Because the way we have it set up as Omar, Omar don't miss. No. And and Barksdale was a sitting duck. He had absolutely. His back to him. There was
1: a clear space between the two of them. He had a great line of sight. Um,
2: I mean Webe does sort of show up out of nowhere. Absolutely. But he still should've hit that shot. He should he should have got it. And obviously I think I think what must have been going through Omar's head Omar's head is that he wants to get up close there, put the gun yeah, flush against right. his head. And you know, explain a few things to him before pulling the trigger. In any in any other scenario, that would have been Avon Barstell dead, dead to the world. Yeah. Um. Very disappointed in you, Omar. We are. You're better than this. Yeah, we should have, we should have seen him dead, a <laughs> <and> dead Avon. <laughs>
1: I guess the show will be over then. Right, that's it from us this week. Next week, we're going to be watching season one, episode ten, "The Cost."
2: Yes, and in the meantime, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave us a review there. Uh, we're looking forward to reading them all. Uh,
1: yeah, you can also chat with us. Uh, we're getting some great chat on, the, on Twitter. It's at The Wire Stripped. We also have a Facebook page um, and, and we're on Instagram. And our email is, as always,
2: burner at thewirestripped.com. Yeah,
3: thanks to all our
2: guests uh, and talking voices that you heard on this episode of the show and thanks to
1: Tom our crack producer and editor who makes our lives so much easier by doing all the hard work
2: Izzy Lawrence as always thanks for your logo because it looks awesome and we love the orange sofa
1: yes and as always thanks to Martin and Sam from the Song by Song podcast who did the awesome cover of Way Down in the Hole which you're hearing
2: right now that's how for now guys catch you next week
1: Bye. Bye.